Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're chatting with John Austin, a pitmaster who's an active serviceman, keeping us all safe, a barbecue business owner, and a TikTok star. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? John, it's great to see you again, buddy. Welcome to the confessional. G'day, Ben. How are you going? Thank you very much for having me. Uh, a very gracious intro. TikTok star, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you've got to call it how you see it, don't you? Exactly right. Thank you. Now, I understand we've got a bit of a special thing happening today. You've actually got a cook happening right now in the background as we're recording this. I do. I am. Um... I picked up a bat side lamb shoulder. It's on the offset for my local butcher, uh, Moe. So that's, we're going to turn that into some lamb and potato pies. Keen as mustard. Oh, very nice. Are we able to have a quick little uh, sneak peek into that offset there behind you? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go. Cool. So if you listen to this a bit later on, John has sat down and he's got a Weber on one, uh, over one shoulder and an offset over the other shoulder. And he's just taking us across to have a look at the uh, lamb that he's got in his offset. So this is going to be cool. Yeah, with us two seconds. Just going to see if I can flip this camera. All right. <laughs> Getting it the old-fashioned way. Hopefully you can oh, see yeah. that there. Yep. Starting to get some nice color on there. Yeah, it's just starting. The bark's just starting to form. It's only been on for about 45 minutes. I'm running it pretty hot, about 275 Fahrenheit, a little bit higher. Just going to catch... Uh, tray down the bottom that's just got some Worcestershire sauce um, and some stock and then we'll turn that into some gravy. Very cool. Now, did you just say Worcestershire sauce? It, I did. That's, um, <laughs> you understand if you've seen the TikTok video with Gordon Ramsay. Oh, okay. Okay, fair enough. We're, we're going to get to that a bit later on. Look, I just want to kick things off by um by saying uh you know uh thank you for your service. You are an active serviceman. You are doing your your part for all of us. Um, are you able to tell us a little bit about what it is that you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess so. I've been in for just over twenty years, and strangely enough, I actually my enlistment day was September eleven, um, two thousand one. Just happened to join on that particular day. Uh, seven years infantry, sort of frontline troop, and then for the last thirteen years. I'm in the logistics space, so warehouse management, all that sort of stuff. So it's uh, a little bit easier on the wife, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there'd be a lot of um, sort of sleepless nights avoided there in the uh, in the logistics side, I'd imagine. Yeah, much better than frontline. <laughs> yeah. So that that September 11 sign up date. I mean, se- September 11 for us is a day before September 11 for the United States. So you'd actually technically signed up sort of before all that even happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So I think it happened, it was about 9.30 or 21.30 at night and obviously I had already been to recruiting in that morning and then it all happened. How did you feel when you woke up the next morning? Um, I don't know. I, did, I didn't really think of it. Yeah, I, I didn't really think of it, to be perfectly honest. I, I didn't appreciate the gravity, I think, of the situation and where I was about to go in, in a few days, that's for sure. So it was a matter of days. Yeah, yep. Sign on the well. Often you sign, you will sign on the dotted line, and then you're gone that day. There just there was a delay for whatever reason, and I just got pushed back by a few days. Oh, okay, so do you mean that you went to like a training 
camp in Australia or they sent you straight over to like oh, Afghanistan no, yeah, or somewhere? Yeah, sign my life away, so to speak, in the morning of. And then a few days later, you go to Kapook and that's where you complete your basic training. And then you, you go from there. Ah, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I understand. All right, so let's let's loop back to barbecue then. Tell tell me uh, how yes. barbecue started for you. Okay, so probably like most people, started when I was a kid slash teenager and my dad had a gas at barbecue. And probably once a week, you know, it was just the typical sausages, minute steak, nothing fancy just on the gas barbecue. So I guess you could say that's where it started. Um, I purchased my own barbecue probably about a year after joining the army, so about 2002. Again, that was another gas barbecue. I had like a little awning thing and we used to have the, all the guys would come over to have a few cheeky beverages and yeah, cook up barbecues, normal stuff, sausages and things like that. Um, that was where it's really kicked off for me. So about 2002, fast forward all the way through to about 2017, where it sort of links back into the army piece. Uh, and that's where I met Matt Logie from Smoking Sappers. And I just, I just happened to be walking past him. I didn't know him at the time. And he was on Instagram doing the usual, you know, barbecue porn stuff, just stalking. But, and I just stopped and I asked him what it was. And he said, oh, yeah, this is my Instagram page. I do Smoking, uh, smoking Sappers. Uh, and I just happened to be addicted to American Pitmasters, you know, the TV show. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it all sort of, you know, fell into line. I just basically grabbed him for, for about the first two weeks and just, sucked the information out of him he's just a wealth of information and like anything barbecue addiction hit me and i would spend easy three four five hours a day just watching youtube and and then i bought my first weber and yeah just steamrolled from there yeah right that's um that's quite an introduction but uh i I think a lot of us sort of did start off with uh with pitmasters there it's still on i think binge at the moment i think i've been I've been going all the way back to the start and I'm watching all the way from the start again. So, uh, wow. That's kind of interesting. It's been around for a while. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how you got into, uh, into barbecue. It's at, at the start, you're into the Aussie style kind of, kind of grilling. And then you got your first Weber and you got into low and slow. What were some of your first Mm -hmm. adventures into low and slow? Were they, did you like, were you good at it straight out of the gates or did you, was there a couple of bin meals there or what? What happened? There was a very, very clearly, I remember it. So it was on my black Weber kettle and I had got, um, I think it was a three rack, a three pin beef ribs from the local butcher. And, you know, thinking that I had sucked all the information out of Matt Logan and watched enough YouTubes, obviously I thought it was going to be amazing. And I got one of those little grates that you sort of have in the oven, you know, like a little an extender sort of thing. Yeah. You know, like a wire thin grate. So I could stack heaps of ribs in invited guys around from work and said, look, we're going to have beef ribs at my house. Four hours in, they were still quite raw because they didn't allow, because they were almost touching, you know, they were just stacked on top of each other and I didn't allow for it. Maybe eight, 10 hours later, I just had to serve them up and they were quite dry and they all said they liked it, but I, I know deep down they weren't that crash hot. <laughs> so that was my first cook and I remember it vividly. Mate, I think after uh, eight to 10 hours of having bevies, they wouldn't have cared. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And they're hooking into. Yeah, yeah. And so then how did you then get into competition barbecue? So I haven't gone full steam into competition barbecue. I've helped a few teams um, over the years, but my first outing was actually at Port Mac. So I was quietly crapping myself because obviously I knew the, you know, the enormity of Port Mac and a team Port with Mac is two huge, members down. Yeah. Exactly right. And I'd been there before just, you know, as a punter, just going around talking to, you know, some of the barbecue guys that I knew. 
um, down from Country Boys, etc. And yeah, one of the teams said, "Hey, do you want to come and fill in?" I said, "You know, I've got barbecue experience, but no comp barbie." You know, like, yeah, you'll be right. And they handed me the lamb. <laughs> right. We ended up middle of the pack, so that was. I thought that was okay. Was that with sappers? No, it wasn't. Um, I've got a memory like a sieve on a submarine. I've got the shirt sitting in my my cupboard. Can't remember the name. I'm terrible. Okay, no worries. That's all right. Yeah, it was the first time I met you. Actually, remember? I think I saw you floating around and we had a quick chat. Uh, 2017. Yeah, I I would have been yep. there. I was yep. um I was competing there that year as part of a mm-hmm. part of a hybrid team with a couple of other fellas. Yep. Yeah, yep. we ended up getting a couple of call outs. So yeah, it was a solid year. That was pretty good fun. It was good fun. Um, okay, so uh, you, you you met Matt with the Smoke and Sappers. Um, you've yep. you've done a bit of stuff with them. Now, mm-hmm. Smoke and Sappers love to do a lot of work um, for the for the good of the community, and you're you're much the same. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm assuming that that comes from that kind of that uh, the idea of serving something bigger than yourself. That's that that, that comes from uh, you know that's obviously what attracts you to the military. And so you're able to bring some of your barbecue into that as well. Tell us about some of the exactly. work um, that, that, that you've done. I understand you actually took barbecue into Afghanistan. Well, I didn't take my own personal barbecue, but we uh, procured one uh, in Afghanistan. Um, and yeah, you normally it's very difficult to do any kind of your own cooking. There's tactical situations, etc. But we had the Gurkhas that with us. So they're, um, Nepalese soldiers, and they will always eat food cooked over the fire, regardless of the situation. Um, and obviously, I was embedded with those um, guys, and they had a goat and maybe three chickens, and they were just in a cardboard box with holes randomly cut out. And I heard a sound, and it was, you know, as you would imagine, bah, kind of sound. And I asked them what was in there, and they said it was a goat, and they asked me to, I helped them uh, slaughter it, and then we cooked it basically like a pig on the spit, that sort of that fashion. So that was my foray into barbecuing into Afghanistan with the Gurkhas, the Nepalese soldiers. That was a real eye-opener. Wow. And so what sort of uh, uh, styles and flavours and flavour profiles do they use that's kind of maybe we haven't seen before over here? Well, because of where we were, they couldn't get their traditional spices. So we literally just had salt and pepper that had just been imported, just your your normal standard rock salt and pepper. And that that's all we use, but... I think it was more, it was just that experience of actually, you know, the slaughtering of the animal and the way that they, they had a prayer for it and just the whole situation, eating it with them and being with, you know, people from another country was also amazing. And then you look at the situation that we're in, being in Afghanistan. So it's just that whole experience, which is something that I always remember. Interesting, interesting. So what, what um, religious background were those Nepalese Gurkhas? Um, the specific, he was sort of like the, you call them a section commander of that particular group. Um, I'm not too 100% sure of the religious background, but basically they were, um, they were saying a prayer before they, they, you know, they took the life of that particular animal, being the goat. That was the first one that I helped them with. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there's only the, um, like I know that the, that the Islamic faith does that, um, but I, yep. yeah, I, I haven't heard of any others and I wasn't aware that, um, that Islam was, was big in Nepal. So I, that's why I was asking that question. Um, Okay, so uh, the Gurkhas from Nepal, they, they had their, their big uh, kirkeries. Did they use the, the kirkeries to slice the goat and serve it? Yep, absolutely. Outstanding. They <laughs> used their knife for everything. You know, you could ask them, if you got, you know, you're in Australia and you gave them a beer, they'll pop the, the lid with it. Absolutely everything. It's a multi-use too. It's amazing. You, know, you can have a knife 
you know, sort of yay big and it can do absolutely anything. Yeah, very cool. My my grandfather used to tell me stories about the Gurkhas and their and their Kirkery, and my my grandmother would always tell him to to be quiet and not and not tell a child those things. But uh, yeah, I've always been <laughs> don't scare the kids. Yeah, I've, I've always been fascinated with them. Um, so t- tell me about the chickens then. The, the the goat was done similar to a whole hog. Tell us about the chickens. Yep. Um, basically the chicken was in the same fashion and the way that it all started. Um, and then they just, they cut it up to very, very small pieces and they had like a, it's almost like a wok. Um, I don't know if they bought it with them or if they fashioned it while we're out there. I don't know, but it was, it's essentially like a wok and they just had three of the big river pebbles. Um, and then they had the wok sitting on top and they just had coals underneath. And that was, um, that was put into the wok, so to speak with the oil. And actually they had chili, they had fresh chili. I don't know where they got that from. But they had fresh chili and that was sort of getting mixed around. It's almost like a uh, a curry, I guess. That's sort of the best way I can sort of think of it. Yeah, right. That's yeah, and that was just like a little side dish. Yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, okay. So the, the chicken was the side dish to the goat. Yeah, exactly right. Because it cooked quicker. We started pretty much at the same time and then that was obviously ready and then the goat came later. So meat side dishes for a meat main. I can get on board with that. I... I was like, I'm happy with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, yeah. Now, something that just uh, that just popped into my head now, and it's a complete, yep. um, you know, I've, I'm not in the military, never been in the military, so I apologize if this is a, an, an annoying question. Uh, my understanding no, is, that, um, is that on the bases, they build things like, you know, Costco's and all that sort of stuff into the bases for the servicemen to be able to come and grab stuff. Do you get much barbecue supplies through that? Yeah, we're not that lucky as Australians. We... We do it a little, oh, okay. a little tougher. That's that's definitely an American base, um, not where I was. We we're in a very a, a forward operating base. It was a lot smaller. It's a lot more crude, just dust, and you know we we obviously had protection and things like that. But um, definitely in some of the bigger American bases in the Middle East, they wouldn't have a Costco, but they would have takeaway and things. Yeah, obviously it takes years to get to that point. Sure. But they would have Hungry Jacks, Maccas, all that sort of stuff. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that was an eye opener. In my first trip to Afghanistan and then we had to pass through one of these bases to get to where we were going to go. And it was almost, you could argue it was almost like this, just a little town. You know, there's probably thousands of people in there. It was unreal to see. Yeah. I used to live in, uh, in South Korea and I spent a year living next to the army base in Seoul there. And, uh, yep. yeah, there was probably 30,000 soldiers in that base there. Um, yeah, that wouldn't surprise so, me. So yeah. So they had all their own internal, shop systems and things like that and mm-hmm. I lived I lived close enough that on a Sunday you could smell the charcoal kind of the the barbecues firing up so uh yeah that just made me think of that anyway all right so uh let's let's continue then um you you also do uh barbecue cook-offs at work that sounds interesting yes so um we haven't this year but we're raring ready and raring to go so it started probably about two or so years ago and it, it was from someone saw one of my Instagram videos or something like that. And they said, well, why don't we do something like this where we're all cooking in front of each other and there's like five of us. And I said, well, let's just make it like a, um, you know, a master chef or American pit masters kind of thing. So we obviously, you know, smashed out all the work on the, you know, from Monday to Thursday. So we had a lot more time available on the Friday and then whoever was competing essentially got the day off to cook. Um, as long as everyone was done by 12, and, you know, we'd have a, a panel of other soldiers. We'd all sit around and have our little voting cards and then we'd vote. And it got to, after about a six-week period, we had a, a, um, a trophy or a plaque 
and then the winner of that particular period would get the name put on and we have a few drinks and stuff like that. So it was, it was actually really cool. Got everyone wow. involved. It was fantastic. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And was that was that uh, in, in country or was that here in Australia? That was here in Australia, yeah. Right, okay. So you can only imagine, you know, we're, we're, we're obviously on base and like for me, my particular week when I competed, I was doing pulled pork. So I had, took my Weber Smoky Mountain down and, you know, the smoke and, and the pork smell was obviously wafting through the unit and you just, I'd be randomly, randomly getting people, you know, every 10, 15 minutes going, you know, what on earth is that? And you're like, hey, it's, uh, would you like to be a barbecue judge? Have a seat over here. <laughs> exactly right. 12 o'clock, you're going to get pulled pork burgers. Very nice, yeah. So the winner gets uh, gets a name on a plaque. What does the loser get? Is it like a 12-kilometre run with, with pack and gear, or what is it? Well, no, but that, that's a good suggestion. I'm a little older and a little bigger than I was a few years ago, so maybe I won't take that. Oh, well, you can be head judge. You can just be organising the whole thing. Yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll manage. I'll oversee everyone. I'll just, yeah, yeah, you're doing good. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Nice work. Nice work. But um, you, you've actually gone even further than that, haven't you? And you've actually taken a bunch of barbecues out to, uh, to Central Australia and you've done some work out there. Tell Correct. us about that now. Yep. So there's a, um, an assistance program called um, AACP. And it's essentially once a year, um, one of the engineer units in the Army goes out to an Aboriginal community. It could be anywhere in Australia. It's obviously up to where the government picks and they may They've essentially those particular communities, they send the message through to the government saying, Hey, we need assistance. It might be, we need new roads, a school, um, community house, whatever the case may be. And in this particular year, um, I was lucky enough to go with my particular group. So there's about a hundred of us. We were there for about five or six months. And I decided, well, if I'm going in there for that long, there's no way I'm not going to be able to cook my own food or have a barbecue. So um, on the truck that had all of our group's gear on it, offset smoker, two Weber kettles. Beautiful, beautiful. And so what, uh, what, what did you do with them out there? Okay, so for me specifically, I was in a very small group. So the other you know, 90-odd um, guys and girls, they separated um, and they were doing their engineer piece. So they were doing the roads and they were building um, a community house. And I was probably... 800 kilometers for them. So I was sort of in between, I guess, between Adelaide and where they were in Yalata. So I could get provisions to where I was and then push them back out to them without having a massive, you know, length of time to cover. So we were basically fending for ourselves. Luckily I had the offset and I had the kettles. So every week we'd go for the big long drive into Adelaide. We would get all the meat, et cetera, from Costco, come back and we would just literally cook. As long as if we had the time, we'd cook, as you can imagine, rib pork, brisket, jalapeno poppers, fish, yeah, absolutely everything. We're just cooking for ourselves. That's fantastic. Yeah, right. Nice. Were you able to get any kind of uh, uh, in, indigenous meats or indigenous flavors sort of uh, in, incorporated in that while you're out there helping that community? I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because um, towards the end of this trip, we sort of um, squirreled away, you know, pulled pork or bossom butts. Um, over a period of about four or five months um, with a premise that would take the big smoke, the offset smoker down to where the rest of the guys was and cook for everyone. Um, and when I got there, the community heard that I was coming and I was cooking with wood fire and stuff. And obviously it was unusual because they never had seen any of the, uh, the, um, the army guys had done. They just had the normal gas cookers. Like that's what the cooks were using. So I got gifted a piece of kangaroo. I don't know what part it was. I'd like to think it was the filler. I wasn't sure, but it certainly looked like it. And I basically just seared it. 
I just seared it with salt and pepper, uh, medium rare. So it's about 130 Fahrenheit 55C from memory. And I just sliced a lot. I gave one of the elders some of, some of the kangaroo meat and then I just shared it around with the lads that was there. So yeah, that was, that was actually really cool because they had just killed that kangaroo. It would have been that morning. So that was a pretty awesome experience. Yeah, right. And how did it taste? It was amazing. Of course, I cooked it. <laughs> oh, oh, naturally. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it tastes like any other kangaroo I had, to, to be perfectly honest. It was, but I, I like that the tenderness was good. Just had a little bit of char because I was using um, ironbark at the time. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Very nice. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to sort of learn as much as I can about, uh, you know, some indigenous proteins and some indigenous flavor profiles because, uh, you know, they've been cooking meat over fire for 250,000 years kind of thing, you know. So I think that there's a lot um, there's a lot of knowledge there that, uh, that 100%. Often, often gets sort of uh, overlooked, I guess. I agree. And I, I wish I had had the foresight um, and time because I was only in there for a day and then I had to come back and then I'd only be there for a day you know, every week or so that I could have asked what would I, what's some natural ingredients like lemon myrtle, whatever the case may be that I could actually season the meat with. Um, and I know they were cooking kangaroo tails sort of ad hoc out there. So that, I wish I had been able to do something like that. It would have been amazing to bring that knowledge back. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Look, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back in just a minute. Alrighty folks, winter is coming, it's almost here, you wouldn't know it today here on the Gold Coast because it is incredibly hot, but uh, look, it is coming and so we have some great gear for you available over in the Smoking Hot Confession shop. We've got our hoodies, you can see with Hail Mary there on the back, she's been awarded uh, the 2021 Barbecue Apparel of the Year Award over at the NBBQA conference over in Kansas City, so she's available, she's on our hoodies, she's on our t-shirts, we've got some beautiful nice big thick beanies there to keep you warm, and we've also got our fantastic tumblers here that uh, keep your hot drinks hot and in summertime they keep your cold drinks cold so if you're going to be looking forward to spending some cold nights out by the uh, by the offset smoker tending the fire grab yourself some uh, some cold weather gear and have a good time got a project you'd like to work on with the shc team shoot ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation Alrighty, John. Let's talk Aussie Q. Now I can see it on your on your shirt there. It's uh, it's your <laughs> yeah. It's your business. It's um, it's uh, something that you've built up. So tell me, how did all that start? So for me, um, I might have got around gone around it maybe a little bit different than a traditional you know small business. I was in the social media space. I said that was probably around the same time that I met Matt Logan. Twenty seventeen, just taking photos, videos, etc. On Instagram of just everything I was cooking and I was just, you know, bombarding socials and it just built from there. Um, and then fast forward to, would have been uh, end of 2019, started 2020. So I was meant to be going, I was meant to be deploying to Afghanistan. And by that stage I had a TikTok account and I had done about four months of lead up training to go to Afghanistan. And literally, literally the last two days, there was about seven of us. Um, for operational reasons that had to be removed. They just essentially cut those spots. Um, and you know, after intense training for four months, you can imagine I was, I was a little bit, little bit upset. And my wife, uh, Amory was consoling me. She said, well, you've had these barbecue rubs, these flavor, these um, recipes in your head for probably about a year or two. I'd been constantly talking about it. You know, that was a, the, the long distance dream that I would love to be able to, you know, 
capitalize on that. She said, well, now you, you're back at home. You're going to be here for at least yeah X amount of years. Why don't you start it? Um, and then I just went hammer and tong like the, uh, like all barbecue addictions, just spent night after night, just refining the recipe. Um, and then the way I wanted to do it a little bit differently, I wanted to involve the community because I'd been, done that social media stuff for so long before that I was, all I did was, you know, whether it be vid- videos or photos, I'd be talking, chatting with community members, etc. So I sent out samples to everyone in the world. Um, some of the more you know, expert barbecue guys and girls get their feedback, got it back and they had an electronic poll. So I got everything together and I tweaked the rest until I was happy with it. Um, and that's sort of where that, the barbecue rub part of it all started. And then, you know, we can keep going from there, but there's obviously that's just the, the, the foot sign to it all. Yeah. So you're obviously really serious about it there. Like most people just kind of give it out to friends and ask for feedback, but you actually like set up an electronic survey and sent it out to people. <laughs> I, got, I have a bit of an addictive personality. Once I start something, that's it. I'm just going to, focus everything on it and yeah like i said the addiction comes into it a bit because it's probably where it, what it was and it, well it still is to this day yeah no doubt about that so tell me about the uh the public response and the growth that you've experienced yep so i started it probably tiktok i'd say is the thing that sort of is interwoven between all of it that's where it's all driven from um and that's i guess where a lot of the growths come from it sort of um it's fed into the instagram and to the website etc from there and I started that from a dare from my daughter. And she said, look, I want you to come and do it. it the traditional dancing video, what everyone thinks TikTok's about. And I said, there's no way in hell that's happening. It ended up happening. Three months later, I decided, all right, I'm going to start uploading some barbecue stuff because I didn't see an awful lot on TikTok. That steamrolled. And then, you know, 5,000 followers, 10,000. She kept growing and growing and growing. And then next minute, there was 100,000. And by that stage, um, Gordon Ramsay, there's a feature called Duet where essentially it's almost like what you see on the podcast. They see one of your videos and they can do commentary on that particular video. Um, and that was the, I guess, almost like catalyst to then transport from a hundred and then just went skyrocketing, skyrocketing to 176,000. Um, and then from that, that hot in that whole time that this TikTok was going, I was getting constant messages and emails, et cetera, saying, cause they had seen me use a particular kind of seasoning, but they didn't know what it was. And I was like, well, I just happened to have a website. This is where you go. And the traffic just feeds itself from there. Mate, that's awesome. So how many followers, followers are you up to now on, on TikTok? 176,000 as of this morning. Oh, as of this morning. Sorry. I, yep. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I thought that was a previous number. Right. That's awesome. 176,000. I'm pretty that... chuffed for that for a 40-year-old guy on TikTok. I think that's yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> What does that translate to in terms of like a view, like numbers of views and uh, traffic to your website? Yep. So views like within each video, like any platform, it can be up and down. It just depends who's on at the time. But so for example, I might average five to 15,000 views per video, which I think is really good. And then I've had maybe 10 videos, which is viral. I consider viral between one and 3 million and honestly, what, the one that hit 3 million was actually not too long ago. And I just, on a whim, decided to splice together maybe eight to 10 barbecue clips, all of, you know, between 0.5 and a second and put a soundtrack to it, uploaded it, not thinking anything of it, woke up the next day and it already hit a million. Wow. It was crazy. Huh. 
And then in terms of the traffic, like, because you can monitor that, because I've got a Shopify, that's how I manage the administration side of it. It's a, sitting at about 70 to 72% come from social media and majority of that's all TikTok, in, straight into the website. Wow, that's amazing. It's huge. It's crazy. I'm not really trying. I'm just uploading myself, cooking and doing all the things I love to do. I'm not, you know, haven't got like a marketing hat on it, et cetera. I'm sure it could be even higher if you did. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, TikTok is a very uh, very international platform. So obviously the, that mm-hmm. traffic through to your website, is that mostly Australian people or are you seeing some of your shipments going overseas now as well? Um, so in terms of viewership or traffic, I'm getting about probably about 65% to 70% is Australian because the way the algorithm works in TikTok, and that's probably one of my big attractions to it, especially as me when I'm consuming stuff, it tailors it to exactly what you want. So if you're from Australia, generally speaking, you'll see Australian things. And that's obviously where a lot of my viewership comes from. And then as a result of that feeds into the, into the website. So a good portion of Australian, but I have had five or so orders, a couple from Canada, um, two from New Zealand and one from America, but all from TikTok. Every single wow. five. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. So tell me, let's um let's get back to uh to Gordon Ramsay here. Was he yep. kind? No. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, just like how you'd see in you know the Hell's Kitchen shows, etc. My first video was a brisket cheeseburger pie. Now I've been making these pies for years. I'm so proud of them. I love every time I eat them, every time I give a pie to someone, they love them. But he decimated me on this video. Um, yeah, and that's part of his, his, you know, his character too. So I wouldn't you know, I'd expect him to, but I mean, he really took the town on me. But I knew deep down how good it was. That was the first one anyway. And, and despite all that, it's still helping you and it's driving traffic to your website and people are it's, buying your, your rubs. Yeah, exactly right. Huh. It's bringing more people to the community. And I'm looking, yeah, if people have a laugh at my expense, oh, I don't care. I'm, I'm pretty casual. Yeah, yeah. And how about his other video? Was he nicer on the other one or did he still still tear you to bits? Uh, yeah, he didn't have the foot and accelerator just as hard as, as the, the pie one, but that one was a, um, that was a deep fried fish. It wasn't on the barbecue, but it was a, a battered fish. And he owns, um, I don't know, he, he owns uh, fish and chip shops throughout the world. So you can imagine he was you know, probably pretty sceptical. And it's, as weird as it sounds, it's not gimmicky, but I love Vegemite on fish. I, I truly do. Um, I think that's what got his attention. So... I almost got forced into eating, trying Vegemite and fish when I was nine years old, but I've loved it ever since. But it's got to be battered. Battered fish and Vegemite does it for me, and that was in the video. And, yeah, you can imagine he, he almost threw up when he saw the Vegemite. So does the Vegemite get spread on top of the cooked batter or does it get blended into the batter? And on the batter. It all gets... Yeah, once it's fully cooked, that's, I guess, the seasoning, so to speak. But really? as, as you know, like with all the ridges and stuff, it can catch a lot of Vegemite. So you've got to be very careful. Yeah. So I just put a very thin coat. So it just touches the top of the ridges on the fish, and I love it. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, Vegemite has a lot of uh, umami and stuff in it, so I guess that it makes exactly sense from right. that point of view. Yeah, yeah. So if you had a, quite an oily fish, I guess, when you, if you're doing uh, a battered fish, that would work quite well as well because it could sort of stand up to the, the saltiness and the umami, the big flavour that you get from Vegemite. Yeah, it sort of helps sort of cut through some of that um, oily mouthfeel on it as well, which would be a, uh, exactly right. a welcome addition. Yep, Interesting, yeah. So did you uh did you write back to him and say thanks for the feedback and now you guys are like buds? <laughs> yeah, of course. Best mates. Yeah, I'm gonna have a beer with him <laughs> later. But yeah, I yeah, I, I went through the comments and stuff, but yeah. 
He's got, who knows, you know, he's a worldwide star, hundreds of millions of followers, wouldn't even, you know, blip on his radar. Or, but, you know, I, I like to say that he's now trying my pie recipe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll bet he has. I'll bet he has he written has. it down and he's, and he's tried it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> so good. So did you do something specifically to get his attention? Like were you using a particular hashtag or something or like was there a strategy exactly. involved? That's it. Well, yeah, it's a hashtag. So he has this thing where he duets people. It's obviously cooking videos. He, he duets and that's the one of his things besides his own cooking, et cetera. Um, it's just called Ramsey Reacts, hashtag Ramsey Reacts. But when you click on the hashtag, there's, I think it's into the millions of videos now. So the chance of him seeing it is one in a million. Like it's very rare. So for me to get even one, let alone two, I think I'm extremely lucky. That's why a lot of people have DM me and say, yeah, are you actually mates with this guy? Like what is going on? It's just pure luck. Like absolute luck that he tears me apart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So all this, um, all this attention on, on TikTok, you've got your, uh, your duets with, um, with Gordon Rams and all that sort of stuff. Did that, did all that happen before or after? Pluggapalooza. So, like, did that help you get into Pluggapalooza? No, so it was a bit of both. So, this, the first duet, yes, that was um, that was before Sunrise. And the second one was only just recently. So, yeah, I don't think they had any idea I was even on TikTok, um, Sunrise. So, for Pluggapalooza, that was actually, that actually started from my wife. I would turn the camera, camera around, but she would absolutely slap that thing straight out of my hand. But she was the one that got me onto sunrise essentially, or got both of us onto sunrise. So like anything you can imagine, you know, it's extremely competitive. It's hard. That's right. It was for father's day, for father's day. And she just filled out an online form, put some details in there, said some details about me, um, better and own family and business, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the producer, I think he sent me an email. I think he sent me an email and I thought scam. Cause I didn't know that she'd done this. Thought, this is a scam. As if sunrise is going to contact me. Uh, and then I deleted it. They sent me another email and then I said, okay, I'll just give my phone number to see what happens. Got a call and as a producer and yeah, I think two days later, they're like, okay, you need to be ready. You're going to be on TV. Wow. That was a big step. Yeah. That was, that was a little bit nerve wracking. Yeah, I'll bet. And so did they come to you or did you have to go and meet them somewhere? No, because of what was going on around the world at the time. Um, I think, you know, in the past they might've come to the house, but no, it was all by zoom call. Oh, really? Um, yeah, exactly. It was much like what we're doing right now, except um, I was probably up to about, we're up to 1am before a four o'clock start. Um, Cause I had an idea. I had the TV in the background so I could put, you know, the logo and all that sort of stuff and trying to get the light balancing right. And then I was just rehearsing cause I know I had a very finite amount of time and, you know, obviously they've got their own schedule. So I was, yeah, we had a few hours sleep and had all the lights going off, had camping lights trying to, Reflect on the side of my face because so, the TV was so bright. And oh, <laughs> now that's um, that's pretty much literally like fifteen seconds of fame right there. You've you, you had what was it thirty it seconds was. on on yep. national television on a morning show? How nervous were yes. you going into that? I was. If I had to put on a scale of one to ten, I say I was about a six out of ten initially. But I had re- we had rehearsed this one few lines and it wasn't too bad. And but we thought it was in a week. We didn't realise it was actually going to be live. And then oh. the producer hopped on and he goes, "Hey, just letting you know, we've got a roughly, I think the figure is two point four million people watching Sunrise at the moment. 
you're going to be live. <laughs> um, Sam Max going to talk to you. Then you've got 30 seconds. And we're like, I, eyes open and I just gripped my wife's leg. I'm like, what? We're live? Okay. Don't swear. Don't swear. Don't swear. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd imagine that you would have probably been on a on a delay button there, but uh, yeah, that that must have been intense. Must have been intense. It was. Yeah, and so what were the outcomes of that for you? Did you see like a huge upturn in that from that? I mean, it was I underestimated it to be honest. I thought like only oh, yeah, it's a big show, national television, all that sort of stuff. Um, and we sold out within. Six minutes, it all every seasoning that we had gone, wow. disappeared. Um, oh. sort of linked into that was kind of funny. I thought do not disturb on my phone would stop all notifications, everything. I was wrong, and the whole time, so it must have like I literally two to three seconds delay because messages were popping up on my phone saying, Oh my god, I can see you, you're live, and you know, orders were going ding, 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 and covering the, <laughs> the screen where I was, you know, talking with Sam Mack. So I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, trying to act normal, like thinking that the phone's going to shut down because the notifications are just going crazy. So, yeah, it was pretty nerve-wracking. But, yeah, all sold out all within seven minutes, I think it was. Wow. And you said that they gave you, what, 48 hours notice. So you wouldn't have been able to get hold of your co-packer and tell them to double the order, like, in time. Well, well, that's that's the other thing. We're fully family-driven, so we have – a kitchen that we go hire for the um, the manufacturing piece. We package, hand sign everything ourselves. So it was all up to us, and that, that was included in staying up late. So we're like, okay, we'll do a double a double batch, but it just wasn't enough. Oh wow! So did you like take a whole bunch of back orders and then have to spend a week filling the back orders? No, we just when they sold out, they sold out. But then it was just answering emails because I had the intent of going to work, but just late. And then I ended up ringing up my boss and said, "Can I take the day off?" Like. And I'll take it out of my book because we've got so many emails going, hey, you've sold out of this, you've sold out of that. When's your, when you're back online? So it was just sitting there for hours replying back to emails. And then, yeah, later that night, we went back to the kitchen and we had to go make another batch. Man, that's that's so awesome. That's so good. I'm so happy for you. So um, Thank you. you. Once in a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've had uh, 20 years now in the in the military. Your business is... is uh, yep. I was going to say blowing up, but that's probably poor form. Um, your business is is uh, growing is, is growing rapidly. Um, it's going well. <laughs> it, it it is it is. So, are you kind of approaching that balance point where you could retire from the military and go full time barbecue, or is that uh, not quite it's there yet? Definitely getting towards that that tipping point, a hundred percent. And it's probably more just the the hours I'm putting in. You know an average day, so I'm working 10 hours at work, then I come back, have really quick family time, and then we could be packing orders, shooting videos, um, editing, writing scripts. So it's just taking so much time up. I'm like, well, I can't do this forever. There's got to be that point where financially and, you know, creatively speaking, I can actually make the full switch. So I'm crossing my fingers, hopefully, by the end of the year. Yeah, I've done 20 years in the Army. I think that's a good amount of time. I've served my country. I've done everything I had to do. So crossing everything that we can get to that point. Yeah. By the end of the year, that's, that's the ultimate goal. Wow. Well, I, I certainly look forward to, to, uh, to seeing how that plays out for you. My, my fingers are definitely crossed that you can get there. Um, I've got two more questions. One of them is how do you balance active duty and running a business? Mm-hmm. Um, do I balance it? That's a good question. <laughs> do I even balance <laughs> it? I don't know. My wife probably says I don't. 
she's constantly saying that I'm a freak. She doesn't know how I do it. Um, I guess I draw on my experience for 20 years. Um, I'm a warrant officer now. I'm so, you know, I'm supposed to have manager, managerial skills, time skills, time management, et cetera, all that sort of stuff. So I'm just be able to basically switch my brain off as soon as I get, you know, leave the workspace, as long as there's nothing going on after hours, come home. And it's somewhat regimented family time and there's orders. We pack the orders. Um, and my wife now is working with me to help shoot videos, et cetera. So it's just that playing that balancing game. Son's now 18, daughter's 14. They're self-sufficient. You know, one's about to leave. So that, in the family side of things, that's definitely freeing it up. And yeah, I don't know if I balance it well, but I, I think, yeah, just being able to, to allocate blocks of time and then not go over that. So if it hits, you know, 20, or 8 PM, that's it. No, no more making videos or packing orders. Cause as you can imagine, you could be, you could be there to midnight. And then you start to burn out. So that, that's the way I'd go about it. Yeah, I can, uh, I can personally vouch for the uh, staying up to midnight part. I'm up to midnight every night. <laughs> and I'm just thinking of you being a teacher during the day and then the podcast, the shooting, the, making sure everything's good to go, the editing, talking to people, then the website, your Facebook, insane. Yeah, there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. And uh, much like yourself, oh, yeah. it's a one-man show. Now, is your daughter yeah. in earshot? No. Does she listen Wife, to barbecue yes. podcasts? No, she doesn't. Okay. So are you looking to, to cut her in on the profit, seeing as it was her idea for TikTok in the first place and that's kind of uh, <laughs> kind of uh, tr- uh, sort of uh, sparked everything for you? Maybe in the will. <laughs> <laughs> I have offered her that. She's got a very creative mind, like very creative mind. So I have, I've had said to her, hey, if you want to shoot packing videos, something like that, because it's something simple and that's something that any business can do, not just me, but, and she's definitely more than capable. I said, hey, if you want to do it, you know, I'll give you a, throw you a few dollars your way. So we'll wait and see. I'll, you know, throw in the line out so we'll see if she, she catches it. Oh, well, you could just go the way of, um, of a lot of things in barbecue and, you know, offer two bottles of rub or something and um, get her to make a video yeah. for you for some, for, for some spice rub. And then she'll just walk sure past like, that. the <laughs> – Yeah, she'll just walk past that. The inventory area because we're a segregated room that no one started going to unless you're taking orders. You just walk past and go, well, you know, I can pick like one of a hundred. Come on, Dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so where do you go from here, man? Like, what's what's next? That's a good thing. So I've got flavors floating around my head constantly. You know, flavor profiles. I taste something. Oh, that's slightly different. Um, and I've got three on the go, but I've got one that's really really close that's the next thing in terms of the seasoning so um that's loosely called chicken and chips i've wanted i've had when i create the rubs it's something i've always thought i wanted to be an experience i don't know if that sounds cliche but the smell as well as the taste i want someone to think okay i'm in red rooster for argument's sake eating a chicken and chips because it's you know an australian sort of thing uh, and all my rubs um say oz for example i wanted to have that taste smell and feel that i was you're eating burgerings and there's like a fish and chip shop sort of in the background so this chicken and chips that's the that's the next thing and i'm just i'm on the precipice of where i'm happy with the recipe and i can and i know i can source enough ingredients to make bulk um, and then i'm going to send it out to basically you know the biggest fans so to speak the ones that i'm always communicating with whether it be instagram instagram tiktok and obviously some of the 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 pro guys and girls in the the barbecue community who they got some insane Mm -hmm. feedback so that's sort of, um, that's, I guess that's, that's the next step and that's where I'm heading and probably within hopefully three to four months, that will be the, the short-term goal to get that off, uh, up and running. 
Beautiful, man. That sounds absolutely fantastic. I look forward to seeing that all come together for you. Listen, we're going to take a, uh, a short break and we'll be back in just a moment. Alrighty, family, big shout out to those of you that are joining us today in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook. It's a great little group. It's a very family-friendly little corner of the internet. We'd love to have you. Everybody's welcome. We don't care where you come from. We don't care what you cook on. We don't care what your background is. Everybody's welcome. All the guff is left at the door. So if you're looking for a nice, friendly place to just hang out and talk about barbecue, the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community is it. And if you're looking to, uh, to to meet some people, some like-minded people, we've got almost 5,000 people in there now. So it's uh, it's getting to be quite a large community. It's very supportive. As I said, the rubbish is left at the door. We just hang out and just talk about barbecue. So if you're not there yet, come along and join us. And you too could be a part of these uh, recordings as we do record these podcast episodes live in that Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community. So if you're not there yet, we'll see you there soon. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Now, John, I don't know if you realise this, but uh, during the breaks, I can still see your camera in the green room on my screen here. And I just saw you do a yeah. mad dash up out of your chair over to the lamb in the, in the offset behind you. Is everything okay? Yeah, you just had to quickly... Throw another Ironbark log on because this fire was starting to die down just a little bit. Were you starting to get the alarms you on your phone? <laughs> no, no, I could just—I just knew it'd been a little bit longer than I would have liked, and the temperature—I didn't drop too much. That's all right. But yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, I hope you can't see me because you didn't see—I actually spilt some of my drink on my top too. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We all wear black shirts. That's why we wear black shirts. Yeah, <laughs> that's why they're black. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, they're—they're they're barbecue shirts. We're going to be spilling sauces exactly. and all sorts of stuff on them. Oh, yeah. All the good stuff. Yeah. All righty. So it's the third part of the show now. It's, it, it's the final segment, and it's the part where our guest gets to uh, share some advice and tips for the listeners and the viewers. For the listeners and the viewers joining us live in the Facebook group for the recording, now's the time to start pumping those questions in. John's going to be giving us some TikTok tips. So, mate, I'm going to uh, be quiet, if you can believe that, and I'm going to write some notes, and uh, I'm going to, it, it's all over to you, sir. Okay. Look, so we'll focus on the TikTok piece. Now I'll kill two birds with one stone here. So I'll look at the, there might be, there's a lot of people out there that have either got a small business, they want to start a small business or they're on the other side. They want to create barbecue content. They want to create brand deals, et cetera. And for me, um, and that's on both fronts because I've been doing the content creation stuff and the cooking stuff. TikTok has been, um, I've been able to leverage TikTok in a huge, huge way. Like I said before, most of my traffic to my store um, and through all my DMs and emails, et cetera, it all basically funnels from TikTok. And that's just me cooking things. I'm not trying hard. I uh, have a marketing brain, et cetera. So my tips for that is if you want, if you have a small business, you want to start a small business, but you want to get into the social media space, have a look at TikTok. It's, it's free. I think that's the craziest thing. You know, as long as you don't swear or you know, do a nudie run or something like that, you, you literally can't lose. You pick up your phone. And you, and you could go, all right, I'm now, say you're a barbecue rub company. I'm now about to produce a thousand bottles of rub. Why not do small snippets of that? Snip it all the way from, you know, in the raw form through to the blended form of spice into the bottle. It's packaged. It's now ready for customers. That could be a 15 second video. And it's just a matter of you pressing and holding the button within the TikTok app. It's really, it's that simple. It's crazy. You could, you could film 
a week's worth of videos in 15 minutes, 15 minutes, arguably. Wow. So okay. that would be, yeah, that would be one of my biggest things. If you've got a small business, you want to start a small business in the food or barbecue space, get onto TikTok, just have a look. Um, but taking a step back, I would say just to consume TikTok, create an account and then start looking at the cooking stuff that you're interested in or whatever your barbecue niche may be or, or what you want it to be. Cause then the algorithm will learn. That's what you want to see. And you'll just see a lot of it and you go, okay, well, this is, this interests me, that style, you know, you might not want to get in front of the camera where you're just shooting things that you're doing during the day. And people have a real interest in it, including myself. I could sit there for 20 minutes at night, just watching people pack orders. You know, they'll have a voiceover and they'll talk about, this is the thing. You know, this is the whatever going inside of a box. This is it wrapping over. It's just, yeah, it sounds really mundane, but it's people will like that. And for a small business, that's something that doesn't take time, a lot of time. It doesn't take any capital and it's dead simple to use. So that's my tip or something I would look at for the business side. And then, you know, same, same when it comes to the content creation, if you're a barbecue guy or girl and you're super interested in getting your stuff out there, exactly the same format. It's dead simple. You can shoot yourself in stages, cooking it. You can put a voice over it. If you're that way inclined, get in front of the camera like me, make an idiot of yourself, you know, doing army rolls on the ground. And I have legitimately done that. So, so don't go stalking that video, but it, it's, it's that easy. It really is. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I've, I've got a couple of questions here just um, just based on those tips that you gave us there. Sure. You mentioned the idea of um, just holding the button down and just shooting a few little clips of yourself doing things like packing mm-hmm. orders, as you said. Do yep. you have to publish each little clip individually or does it save to your phone and then you no. stitch it together and send it out? Yeah, so if you're, you've got the app open, the, the native camera inside of it, it has the ability of you can either you know, press and hold just like any normal when you're shooting video and it'll record for yeah as long as you until you press the next button so 15 20 seconds or you can as you're pressing it it's recording it so you could you might only want just that little snip because it keeps people engaged too you know the box opens the the bottles of rub or or whatever go inside you know like that and then it all stitches it together within the app Um, and then from there it's a matter of you know you press one button you can shorten that particular clip you know because you might have you swearing at the end or you know tripping over yourself whatever it is you just want to cut that bit down and then you just let it play and you go, yeah, I'm happy with that. You can choose to put music over the top. It's all native to the app. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to export anything outside of the app. It's all done internally. And then if you're still a little bit nervous about it, you don't want to publish it. We just save it to your draft and it just will save it within the app itself. And then later on when you're confident enough, or you might be aligning it up with the product launch or a brand deal, et cetera, then you publish it at that particular time and put your couple of hashtags in there a cheeky title and you're good to go. Interesting. Yeah. Now that's a, there's two interesting things that, that you just mentioned there, hashtags and titles. Can you just explain mm-hmm. a bit about um, the, the importance of those two and, and how they work? Yep. So the hashtags, just like any other social media platform, generally speaking, when you want to find something, you know, say, I want to, how do I reverse steer a T-bone steak? Um, someone might have, have done this video, will have reverse steer, T-bone, hashtags, and then we'll find all those videos that link in with those search terms. So if you want people to find your videos easier, they can obviously still find them because the algorithm picks up what's actually in the video. It knows there's a stake in the video, but it's easier if you use hashtags. Um, so that's why you just, you use hashtags so that people can find your video. Uh, and then the second part to that um, being the title itself, it's that's the attention grabber. You might just have, this is how you reverse your stake, or you might have 
um, you know, the, the, the hook line, so to speak, you might say, this is the best reverse series like you've ever tried. Something that's going to grab someone's attention when they're flicking through the millions of different other videos, you know, because you're essentially competing against them. That might be just that one little thing where they, it, grabs, it grabs their attention and it draws them in. Yeah, nice. I've, um, I've noticed a couple of things because uh, I've been looking at uh, YouTube a bit more and I've seen things like, you know, don't yeah. do something until you watch this or top, exactly. top, top 10 something for this. Top five, this yep. for that. Interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Exact same mindset. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, is TikTok vertical or horizontal? Vertical. Okay, so so you it, can it, film. Yeah, so you can film horizontal like you would on YouTube, but obviously we'll have the black bars um, above and below. And for me personally, if I'm sitting there consuming this stuff, I'm watching videos. I generally will scroll past it, not thinking about it because it doesn't fill the whole screen doesn't grab your attention. So if you do have, say like yourself or others that are more on the YouTube space, but they want to get into that TikTok space, as long as you're filming far enough back, you can obviously just crop and everything that's important to the videos in the middle, you can crop it out. So I've, I just recently got a drone because I'm like a little kid and I was wanted to, I wanted to, I was thinking, how do I get this drone footage? Cause it looks insane. You now I'm above the smoke into my videos. And I just did exactly that because it's filming horizontally. I just cropped the middle out. I just made sure that I, centralized everything that I was filming on the drone and I just cropped it out and then bang, it fits vertically. It fits perfectly. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Um, now you, you had mentioned before about, um, uh, people can either be in front of the camera or not. They can do voiceovers or not. Have you found mm-hmm. that, um, that either one of those has a particularly better response on TikTok? Do people respond better if they see your face on the camera? Look, I can't, I'm going to sit on the fence here because I've had videos where I have a voiceover and they do insanely well and then not do so well. And then exact vice versa with me in front of the camera. Uh, maybe if I was 20 years older, probably me, me being in front of the camera would have helped a lot more. But if I had to lean slightly to one way, I'd say arguably being in front of the camera is quite engaging because people can really connect to it. Um, they can sort of, you know, get to know you, so to speak, because I'm, I'd say most of my videos, I'm in front of the camera, whether I'm just talking um, your across the grass, you know, whatever the case may be. I'm generally in front of the camera. I think there's a bit more, it's a bit more personable, but there's definitely, it's not going to hinder you if you don't want to jump in front of the camera. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. Okay. I see. And so then my last question then is, um, do you find a, that TikTok is better, um, a better platform for people who are educational in their content or entertainment in their content? So for example, for me, um, I like to explain yep. everything that I'm doing as I'm doing it when I make a cooking video. But as a result, I end up with an 18 or 22 minute cooking video, which is never going, which is already too long for YouTube and is never going to go onto TikTok. So, yeah, should you be focusing more on just showing some more of the food porn type stuff and less mm-hmm. of the teaching, or what sort of where should you be aiming? So for me um, specifically, I if I have the time, I like to do two versions. So I do one is the short, sharp flashing between multiple stages of the cook, you know, ASMR bits, you know, the slicing, all that really far, hard and fast, comes out the gate, no more than 25 seconds. Um, and then the other side, it'll be between one and three minutes and that's the educational piece because that's, I think that's, for me personally, that's where I shine and TikTok are very big on the educational stuff. I, I've had direct contact with them multiple times and we had a campaign going where I worked with them for four months doing that exactly that food educational stuff. So they wanted me to 
talk over the top and describe the recipe and the techniques and stuff because they're big on the educational stuff. So you can definitely do both. Yeah, right. Super interesting. All right. Thank you so much for all those tips. I've got like a page of notes I've just taken down here. Look, that's a good point for us to start um, to, to start wrapping this up. So I'm going to throw it over to you. Give some thanks, give some praise, give some shout outs to people who've helped you out along the way and tell everybody where they can get themselves some of this uh, delicious Aussie Q spice rub. Absolutely. All right. So we'll start off with a thank you. So first and foremost, I'll thank my wife, Anne-Marie, just sitting off the camera because obviously I don't want to, you know, Get, <laughs> get my head cut off. But no, but generally speaking, yes, she's. If if it wasn't for her, um, you know, being out, if I wasn't able to leverage off her and get her advice and stuff like that, because yeah, it can get me quite stressful. So that's a big part of the situation. She's now, you know, getting into the video making side of things. So that helps out a lot. Um, my kids, Jalen, Summer, basically just giving me crap off camera, but that keeps me honest. Um, and one of the, I guess, the biggest groups I'd like to thank is the community slash family. And as you know. But we're smoking up confessions without their support, their DMs, their emails, their messages, just them watching me make an idiot of myself on cooking videos on TikTok or Instagram, whatever it may be. Without that, it just wouldn't exist. I wouldn't want to make educational videos because I would have no one to watch it. So that's the other huge part of the thank you. Um, now, where you can find me? So the website, www.ozyq.com.au. You can see everything on there. I've also got a blog section where we just... I published a bunch of recipes, but that's more detailed and it's got videos and written so you can hit print and you'll print the recipe out. And that's where you can obviously find the range of rubs. Um, and in line with that, we, I have a newsletter and that's where I have behind the scenes and if there's any new products or samples. So if people want to try the new chicken and chips that's coming out, you have to subscribe because I'm going to send those people the samples. They'll go first. Uh, if you want to catch me in the socials, TikTok, Aussie underscore Q, uh, BBQ, Instagram's the same, Facebook, Aussie Q. YouTube, Aussie Q. So it's a, if you type in Aussie Q, BBQ on any of those platforms, you'll find me, no problems, and you'll see this mug. Beautiful, mate. Well, look, thank you very much for your time and uh, enjoy that beautiful bit of lamb you got in the smoker there. Can't wait. I really, really appreciate you having me on board. Long time listener. I've, I listen to the podcast on the Apple Podcast app, so it's been absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to make these lamb and potato pies again. There you have it, family. That was the amazing uh, John Austin from Aussie Q. What a story. What a story. And talk about being a forward thinker, you know, getting ahead of the curve, jumping on TikTok, enlisting the teenage daughter to help out and, uh, and, and get him started. I, I love that it's uh, sort of brought his family together there as well. He was just talking about how his wife's involved, his daughter's involved, and his, uh, his son as well. And that's, that, that's really what barbecue is all about. So look, that, that's, that is it for today. So just a quick, uh, quick reminder, do the likes and the shares and the things for us. And uh, if you are on Spotify, they do now have a rating system. So throw us a five star there. We'd really appreciate it. And that is all from me. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>